0: The back page football podcast. I will love it if we've been there. Love it. When the seagulls follow chora, it's because they sink
1: sardines will be thrown into the sea. And do I say okie doke all the time? You do. (laughs) do. I don't (laughs) even say it all the time. You say it about, say, 15 times in the (laughs) (laughs) programme. People are telling us this is a great day
0: for Irish football. It's not difficult to get Trappatoni if you're going to pay him that amount of money. I'll tell you, it's a
1: great day for his accountants and his bankers. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. BBF. Hello and welcome to the Treat the Back podcast, brought to you by backpagefootball.com. Back once again to take a look at some of the big stories in football with Enda Higgins and Phil Green. How are you, lads? How are we doing, lads? Shortly, we'll be joined by David Wilson from extratime.ie to preview the League of Ireland season, which kicks off next Friday night and see how things are shaping up in Irish domestic football. But first, lads, um, in the Premier League, another fairly uneventful weekend, all things considered. Um, Some big results down at the bottom of the table, Burnley. Uh, picking up three points against Everton, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, Brighton, nice to see them win against Southampton, who have been pretty horrific ever since uh, they beat Liverpool there at the turn of the year. Um, Man United got one over on David Moyes there to put them well in the driving seat in top four. Um, and then the headline: the North London Derby um, on Super Sunday. I suppose, despite one moment of magic from Eric Lamela, was fairly drab. Um, Phil. How big of a win is, is that for Arteta, I suppose, even though Arsenal are, are still a good bit off the pace? Yeah,
0: I think you can see from, from how they reacted at the end uh, of the game and how nervous they got that it actually meant quite a, a, a lot to them. Um, I thought they were really impressive for the first 45 minutes, actually, especially in, in general, they were the, the game's dominant force. Um, but I think you could see how like skittish they got when the finishing line was in sight, and despite. Uh, being up an extra man, they kind of uh, got white line fever a little bit, and I think that shows that it, it means a, a good degree to them. And um, like they're, they're like you said, they're a good bit off the pace. They're not. They're probably. I don't want to rule them out totally, but they're probably not going to figure uh, for a, for a top four position this year. But uh, I think as a marker for Arteta's project and another kind of point of reference for them. I think it was important. There's more excitement, I think, about Arsenal and Arteta and that young core that he has than there is about Jose and Spurs and this tired team that was top in December and is now seventh and just kind of trudging along. So I think maybe not for this season and in terms of like whether they finish, you know, January between seventh and tenth, I don't know how much it's going to matter to Arsenal. But I think as kind of a proof point of the project, if you want to use that word, it was probably important.
2: Yeah, I think the confidence they showed was very impressive. I mean, if you were to tell an Arsenal fan that uh, before the game, Aubameyang wouldn't start um, and that Saka would be dragged at halftime, that probably would have been their worst nightmare. Um, but the way they started the game, it reminded me of the, the United game very early in, in Arteta's days where they were very confident on the ball. It seems to be coming together for them very well. Smith Rowe at number 10 looks a really exciting prospect. Saka is going to be an incredible player, obviously uh Kieran Tierney's form has been a big change for them as well um and in that system I mean he tore Doherty to shreds yesterday um so they're looking far more confident um and Lacazette when Aubameyang isn't there he, he really looks like a more uh, powerful number nine than when he does when he plays on the left-hand side and he took, took the penalty very well yesterday as, as well and David Luiz I thought was actually pretty impressive as well um which is usually a risk going into these big games. And, and Thomas Partey, uh, two of his best games, I'd say, would have been the Spurs and the United matches this season as he, he was very good in Europe the other week as well. So it's starting to come together a bit for Arsenal, really. They had a, a big result midweek as well in Europe, in what was one of the tougher ties, I would say, for the English teams as well. So they're certainly building more confidence uh, and you think they've, they've a lot more to give as well, especially Nicolas Pepe. Uh, Martinelli is out at the moment and if he can come back and play, Produce any of the form he showed last season. I think they're definitely going to be an exciting squad to watch next season. I think if if they can get a few more signings uh, in the door, and and they've got quite a strong under twenty three squad as well, which is not something you see often in the Premier League as well. Um, so there's there's a lot to be excited about, and for the first time, I, I don't feel like kind of mocking Arteta. <laughs> Um, so uh, I think, <laughs> uh, no, I think you know. Yesterday was very impressive, I must say, because everything was in Spurs' favor going into the game, and Arsenal really dealt with it well, and 100% deserved the win.
1: When the story about Aubameyang was coming through that he was uh, being dropped for being late, it kind of reminded me of um, of uh, something out of Last Chance You on, on Netflix, where you know the star guy is late, and 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 the coach is trying to. You know, put his foot on things, but still leaves him on the bench just in case uh, he has to need him, um, which which Arteta is. Phil, Aubameyang, they obviously fought really hard to hold on to him um, with a new contract. But, I mean, he's had a pretty quiet season by his standards. Are, are, are we getting to a stage now where, you know, Arsenal might be asking themselves, are, are they better off without him?
0: I think they definitely have more options than even was the case when, when they were chasing him so hard for that contract. It kind of felt like they had all their chips on him. Um, but like the emergence of, of Smith-Rowe, obviously Saka's continual development, Odegaard's signing, um, like I said, Lacazette kind of stepping up and showing a bit more confidence when Aubameyang's not there. It feels like there's a way home for Arsenal without Aubameyang as well as having them there, if that makes sense. So they're probably less reliant on them. but I just think the volume of goals that he, he does bring, and he's in a more kind of consistent manner than, than you'd have from Lacazette. I mean, whatever about Martinelli and what, what he might become, um, I think at the minute, he's still their most reliable source of goals. And I think if you think about those three behind the striker in terms of smith Saka and Odegaard, and you think about them supplying Aubameyang, it's potentially quite exciting, but definitely... Uh, they're not as as reliant on him doing everything as maybe they were um, even kind of n- nine months ago, maybe. It, it, it feels like a team that's evolving a little bit. And not to say that Obamiang is being left behind there, but uh, it doesn't feel like everything has to flow through him anymore, maybe the way it did uh, last season.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he's dealt with going forward because it feels like Arteta wants to run a very tight ship there. Um, and... You know, yesterday was quite the statement. I was actually surprised he he left him on the bench. Um, and I thought that might appear weakness. But considering he didn't have to bring him on and considering how well Arsenal played, it was definitely the right decision. He's a bit of a free spirit, as we saw Dortmund having to suspend him for periods of time in 2017 and 2018. And rocking up in the crowd in a Champions League match on the night he was uh, dropped from the squad uh, with some very interesting attire to bring all the attention onto himself uh, at the time. Uh, was a big talking point in Europe. So he's definitely probably a a quite tricky character to have around. And the fact he's club captain as well probably makes it a a bit more difficult for Arteta to deal with him, certainly in public. But he was quite firm on it yesterday and he dealt with it very well. Um, I, I don't see him moving on anytime soon. I think in a COVID-affected market for a 31-year-old, I can't see any clubs really paying the money that would be required mm. um, to take him away from Arsenal anyways. And because he still has that pace, which is so important for them, he's still really strong in the air, which is going to be very important for Arsenal with the deliveries they're getting from Cedric and Tierney uh, from the wide positions. And his link-up play is still excellent. So he is an Arteta type of player and, and definitely a person that they need around, but yesterday showed that they can survive without him as well which which I think will give certainly uh, the rest of the Arsenal team and the management and the fans a a lot of confidence as well because previously it's felt like he's kind of the only person who could really drag them up um, after some poor performances Uh, and yesterday showed that that's not the case so I think it was was a really good day for Arsenal in that regard as well uh, and in terms of planning for the future
1: On the other side of the ball then, um, I mean you look at Spurs and Recent form has been okay, but they've lost two London derbies now. They've lost to, to City pretty comprehensively. They lost to Liverpool, even though they were going through that pretty bad patch there in January. Um, I mean, we've talked so much about Jose over the years and over the past couple of months, and there's a lot of kind of suspicion about how far he can take Spurs. And the, I mean, is there anything more to add? I mean, can, can, is there is there a way that we could see, um, you know, Jose being able to lift Spurs beyond for next season and beyond?
2: Yeah, I mean, when he took over, I felt that if we were going to see a, a Mourinho revival, this would be the perfect squad for him. I mean, you look at everything a core Mourinho team needs to be successful. Um, you know, a world-class number nine, very good playmakers like Ericsson and Ali, who were, who were both there and in the, in the team at the time. You know, midfield wasn't too strong, but he addressed that with Hoiberg, who's been a very successful signing. Very... Um, very experienced centre-backs, a World Cup winning goalkeeper. So it, it had all the elements, you know, Eric Dyer as well, who he actually tried to sign before in the Man United. Dyer was actually his number one uh, holding midfield signing. That, um, But he wasn't able to convince Levy to do a deal at the time. So I felt it looked perfect for him. And then they went through all these Mourinho stages that happens, which is, you know, the impressive comments saying how, well the squ- how, how good the squad is, how good the, the owner is and the chairman. And they were, they win a few games at the start. They always seem to have pick up a, a good result against a, a strong team, which they did against City last year. So all of these things are coming together. And it was the old Mourinho again. But once it starts to falter, which it is now at the moment, um, it, it all turns very quickly. And they're a very tough team to watch when they're not winning, which is, again, another element of a Mourinho team. And you look at the fixtures they have coming up, Leicester away, Everton, Leeds, Villa, Newcastle all away, and then United at the London Stadium. I don't think they'll get top four, which now is going to increase the pressure on the Europa League. And having been in that situation myself as a fan in 2017, it's it puts a lot of stress on a potential Europa League semi-final, Europa League final, where it makes or break your season. And that's kind of where Spurs are probably going to find themselves. And, and considering the finances they've backed Mourinho with, but also the debt from the stadium and, and obviously how they dealt with COVID at the start, a lot of negative PR around that. I don't think they can afford to miss out on European football next season. So there's going to be, it's a very stressful two or three months ahead for Spurs and Mourinho. Um, and I think how they manage it will decide really not his legacy in the league per se, but, you know, everybody's waiting for him to fail and fail, you know, permanently uh, rather than having these mini revivals. And I think the next few months are probably key to seeing whether Mourinho can get back to any sort of old Jose, um, as he's well known for.
1: Phil is Harry Kane a dirty player
0: <laughs> Um, that's an interesting question Kev because it's something that's been getting a little bit more attention recently obviously um, like what he did on, uh, on Sunday yesterday that kind of forearm smash it, w- it wouldn't be uh, a miss it was like what Richie Hogan got sent off for in the All-Ireland Final there uh, two years ago it wasn't dissimilar to that it, w- it was a tackle we're more used to he deserved that <laughs> 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 I'm not saying it wasn't a rare card Kev I'm just saying that's what it reminded me of in that uh, it's not something you see that much in, in, in football um, and Kane's obviously very well known for his kind of signature move now of nearly tabletop and players kind of backing into them watching them uh, and letting them jump over him for the ball and and, and they fall unprotected to the ground and um, probably the, the Adam Lana uh, incident against Brighton is probably the best known one there where he actually got a free for it despite nearly crippling Lalana by by letting him fall over him and um, there, there's kind of a, a a tenacity and a an edge to his game like when he when he swore on his daughter's life that he got a touch to that goal when he was he was battling Salah for for top goalscorer. I know that kind of was met with hells of derision by uh, on Twitter and um, but I think it's a bit of that it's it's kind of like a, a desperation is kind of the only word I can think of, um, like a, a hunger. Um, I don't know is he necessarily dirty? I I think he pushes things right to the edge. I think he gets better press and kinder press by virtue of being the England captain and by, by virtue of being as good as he is because he he is brilliant. But um, yeah. I think he gets treated probably a little better than than he would do if if he was you know kind of Joe Soap or Raheem Sterling. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there definitely is that hint of, uh, you know, nastiness. And we did see this with Spurs a few years ago in that famous Chelsea match where they just decided it would turn into a Royal Rumble. And I think we just all enjoyed seeing that side of Spurs. We'd never really seen that with them. Certainly in the last two decades, we'd never really seen a Spurs side stand up for themselves like that. And I think they actually do need more characters like that, not... Yesterday was a bad one. I mean, he really lined him up yesterday. Uh, Usually, if if you're going to try and sneak in an elbow, you do it when jumping and heading the ball and have a quick look around. But yesterday, he just, I mean, he decided five seconds earlier that he was going to wipe him out. Um, And he's a bad loser, uh, which is probably why so many people are concerned that he will leave Spurs, you know. He's in his prime now, and and if they can't deliver something very soon, who knows if he might look elsewhere. Um, But overall, I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy that in the number nine, that bit of, you know nastiness you know Zlatan had it Rooney had it the best ones usually do um but you know he does cross the line probably a bit too often with certainly the one where he backs into a player and 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 lets them fall without any control over their body that could potentially really damage somebody one of the days so I'd like to see less of that one but yesterday's one it was kind of a funny one really um watching it back kind of it's one of those where you 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 wouldn't get too upset if your own player did it if he he was losing 2-1 in a derby but uh yeah, a bit fortunate to get away with
1: it. Lads, quickly before we move on to um to David on the on the League of Ireland, the news broke Friday. Um I think that Chris Wilder had left Sheffield United. Um there was a bit of confusion over the time whether he'd been sacked or whether it was a mutual parting of ways. Um and in fairness, they're having a, a fairly brutal season. Um but Wilder, in fairness, seemed just the right type of manager to rebound out of the championship kind of like Daniel Farke is with Norwich at the moment was that a bit of a surprise to hear that end of that that he had left
2: not really I mean when a team kind of has a bigger fall uh, as they have um, you know it's been a disastrous season I know we touched them earlier in the season about you know expected goals from last season and everything went right for them last year and they had the odd I think they had the most 1-0 one nil or, you know, one-goal margin wins last season. So they were on a tightrope. And in fairness, he did try to fix that by, by spending big in the summer on, on strikers in particular and Brewster uh, especially has been a huge disappointment. And then the injuries started to come and players who who had been very consistent from the last three or four years all of a sudden were starting to pick up injuries. In truth, they've been overperforming for three or four years um, coming up from League One. I mean, it was a great story, a Sheffield United player, a Sheffield United fan. And now the Sheffield United manager takes them up um, you know, up two divisions and then they're competing, almost competing for the top six at one point last season. But he had a huge amount of control at the club. Uh, and in this day and age, especially when you become a Premier League club and you have owners like Sheffield United do uh, and structures in place, I don't know if you saw it a few years ago, it showed a transfer deadline day documentary with Wilder. Um, and it showed the control he had even in those decisions in the final day of a transfer window. Um might be a bit of actually sundered until i die kind of scenario where he's sitting by the phone kind of making all the deals and you thought while it was impressive it's, it's a lot for a manager to handle and not something you see certainly in the premier league anymore where you know Mourinho said famously a few years ago i'm not a manager anymore i'm a coach and you know directors of football and technical directors they're the one taking over now and i think that you know as soon as wilder began to fail because of the people above him at sheffield united i I imagine they made life very uncomfortable for him. And it did get to the point where, you know, we'll say it's a mutual decision, but yeah, they did want him gone. But again, I I think he would have done a good job in the championship next season. But I think they probably want um, new blood in there, especially the fact that the signings that he spent quite heavily on um, in the last two transfer windows, actually, they spent last January as well, um, haven't really come off or improved the side and they were pretty much going to point the finger at him for that Uh, but i think he's been very unlucky but it's it's been a great story and he can he can leave with his head held high for sure uh and what a journey it's been for them and um it'll be interesting to see what he does next
0: i think his his reputation is going to remain intact um in a way that maybe it didn't if they went down and they didn't bounce back right up um just given the way that squad is structured, as we've been saying, and like it's really like it's a it's a middle of the row championship squad, really with a few bobbles. Like the the nuts and bolts of it has been really constructed in such a way that absolutely maximized every drop out of these guys, um, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a squad that bounces right back up, um, if if they've kind of you know the, you know some squads can just kind of have this light and in a bottle for a while. And when it kind of goes off kilter, it really goes off kilter. Um, Wilder's leaving now. Yes, they're going to get relegated. And yes, he basically presided over that. But um, I think it's going to be a case that his reputation will largely be intact. It's kind of been accepted that he's he's being fired for a combination of things. Or they're mutually departed uh, for a combination of things as opposed to just how things are going on the pitch. I think he'll get a good job. I mean... He could, he, he, like, I could easily see a scenario where he's Newcastle manager. Um, but I think he, I think it might actually work out in the long run better for him that he's not trying to bring them back up from the championship because I don't know if it's a straightforward job. Um, just given the way things are going for that side, who just look really, really short on stuff this year. Um, and like he's so emotionally invested in that club and where they were coming from. I mean, the, the, before he joined. On the club's lack of lap of honor at the end of the season, the fans were shouting abuse at the players, like the, they were in League One, and uh, their fans were abusing them on the lap of honor that they take with their kids at the end of the season, and to take them from there to what was it, eighth in the Premier League, they got to, uh, at their height or whatever, um, was absolutely remarkable, um, and he won't be short of offers, but uh, I, I don't fancy being the person who comes in next. <laughs>
1: I tell you, who it. Mm-hmm. I can remember his name. Rob Little. He's the guy who ran away and
2: left his wife for a younger. And depends on the quality of the eggs. In the supermarket, you have eggs class one, class two, class three, and some are more expensive than others, and some give you better omelets. So when when the class one eggs. Are in Waitrose, and you cannot go
1: there?
0: Real Madrid is no Barcelona. Is a office small team. have many problems. I want my players play with balls. <laughs>
1: Delighted to be joined by David Wilson from extratime.ie to take a look at the upcoming League of Ireland season. Hope you're well, David.
3: Yeah, grand. Thanks. How are you, lads?
1: So it's been a long winter after last year's shortened season, um, which thankfully all clubs got through in one piece, uh, more or less really amidst the uncertainty surrounding the pandemic. Um, last season, Shamrock Rovers were excellent on their way to an unbeaten season. Um and an 18th league title. Are we expecting more of the same this year, David, with them?
3: Yeah, I think I think it's hard not to not to look past Shammer Brobers, um, considering they are the league champions. Um they've lost, you know, probably the best player in the league in Jack Byrne. He's he's gone to Apoel in, in Cyprus. Um and you know, he's gonna be very hard to replace. Um as well, they've lost Aaron McInnef who 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 is a really important player. he was a really important player. He's gone to Hearts, and they have received some money for him as well. So you know, it's it's a it's a good deal in that way. But um, he you know Aaron McInniff provided the legs and the engine room, and and uh, he did a lot of the the unseen maybe work in the midfield and um, behind Jack Byrne, and maybe maybe Jack Byrne got ma- got most of the plaudits. And um you know the, those two players are you know hard to replace and. And the, I suppose they brought in Danny Mandrew from Bohemians and we kind of knew that transfer was in the offing from half his through the season last year. So, you know, he, he's a, he was a talented player at Bohemians and he barely played really at the end of last season. So, you know, it's going to take him some time to, to find his form, to find his, his energy and, and his kind of his match fitness, I guess, as well. Cause he, he did miss quite a few games, um, last year. Um, and as well, he, he'll probably have, you know, he'll have his, Side and becoming probably you know the standout player in the league, um you know since since Burns' uh, departure, um and also to sign signed uh, Chris McCann from from Oldham Athletic or while well, he was actually in uh in America recently as well and he's, you know had a lot of appearances in England, um been on the cusp of Irish squads in the, 2010, 2011, and um won pr- uh, promotion with Burnley to the to the Premier League and you know he looked like he was a good player on on Friday night in the President's Cup and. Uh, and also they've, they've signed Sean Sean Horn Sean Gannon from Dundalk who, who won numerous titles and cups and played in Europe so um look it's you know they they've a, probably the best squad in the league and you know they're they're going to be hard to hard to beat again next season
1: we obviously saw them um, on Friday night against Dundalk um in the President's Cup probably a game they they would have liked to have won um to get off to a a decent start. We'll get on to Dundalk in, in a while, but you know, is, is there any kind of fear that you know that Dundalk will will be chasing up on Rovers, um, especially considering, you know, you said some of the players that they brought in, Chris McCann, especially. I, I remember that spell at Burnley. He had he it was very very close to a to an Ireland call it, but I mean, losing a, a player of Jack Burns caliber is is that going to be too much to to overcome? Um, especially going towards uh, trying to follow up uh, an unbeaten season.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it could be. Um, you know, it, it's it's. I suppose it's maybe a bit of a worry for for Stephen Bradley and 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 Grovers that you know dog have beaten them um, in the cup final last year and in the and again in the Presidents Cup. I know the Presidents Cup is essentially a preseason friendly or, or a curtain raiser. But still, the, you know, anyone that watched the game on Friday night, that there is a real rivalry between these two teams. And um, I think some of the players don't really, are, you know, are not really fond of each other. And we've seen that with Patrick Coobin and the clip in the, in the cup final last year, where there was, there was some words shared with maybe I think it was Greg Bulger in the, in the cup final, that clip that was behind the scenes. And, and, and Rovers will be, they will be worried about the because Dundalk have invested into the squad again and now they have lost you know some key players and some, some legendary players I guess like John Mountney and that um, and Sean Gannon as well but Rovers being Rovers will think that you know they're, they're Ireland's number one team and, and they'll be looking to have a good run in Europe and and you know that they'll they'll be ahead of Bowe's be ahead of Dundalk in the league um, and they'll be willing to you know they're going to try to stamp, stamp their authority early on and and if they go on a run like they did um, after the lockdown last last uh, last season, um, they're going to be very hard to stop. Um, that, you know whether Danny Danny is, is, is as good as uh, Jack Bourne, that really remains to be seen. I mean, Jack Bourne did look like he was a class above. He did look like he was he played at a higher level than a lot of the players, a lot of the teams in the league. And you know he got his move from it, but uh, you know the. Goal scoring, you know, they were they they only conceded maybe six or seven goals last season. And but goal scoring is going to be an issue now. They have Rory Gaffey back, who will be like a new signing. Um, he signed last year but barely played. Um, the Aaron Green, who isn't who isn't exactly pro- prolific, I guess, but he is. Uh, he's a good player. Um, and you know, and they'll be expecting to get goals from Mandrew and from from set pieces like Scale Scales and and Roberto Lopez and Grace and whoever else. So. Um you know they will they will they'll be confident but they will be wary of the dog and, and some other teams as well.
1: The news this evening that um Graham Burke is going to join in May on a permanent deal, um kind of had his spell at Preston and didn't go very well. And how big of a boost is that to to Stephen Bradley's side?
3: Yeah, it's a massive boost. Um he's you know he's another player that's an attacking player can play all across the front three, playing the number ten and and you know he 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 can get he gets goals as well. You know we got he got five in one game last year against Court City, but um yeah he's a good player and and he's got a good deal as well. I think it's he will be. I think the deal is for the the rest of this season and then the next two seasons after that as well. So it's a it's, it is a good sign and he's an international. You know he, he's played it for for Ireland um it looks you know before he got the move to uh to Preston he he was in electric form at Rover's and it didn't really work out for him in England but I think Stephen Bradley will probably get the best out of him again and you know he'll be an important player to to rover success again this year um you know he's on set pieces um I know he missed the penalty on, on Friday but he's he is a quality player and you know will probably be one of the best players in the league this year as well.
2: David, just moving on to Dundalk then, obviously you talked about their two Cup victories, which will probably give them a lot of momentum going into the season. Um, Last week, they tried to clear up the head coach situation, and in true League of Ireland fashion, they even made it more confusing than it ever was before. So officially, Shane Keegan is now head coach, or as Chris Shields said in an interview, he's the one they're calling gaffer. Um, And then Gio is part of a group of five or six coaches behind the scenes then, Making the changes um, and decisions, but it seems to rest mostly on Keegan now going forward. How do you feel that that situation will affect the team, or will a team like Dundalk, with so many experienced players, anyways, just be able to handle a situation like that, which traditionally hasn't really worked out um, at many clubs?
3: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's an interesting kind of development. Um, you know, I've had problems with. The fine from UEFA last year—the fifty thousand euro fine that they got because of uh, Filippo Jiminoli being on the sideline and and not having the required um, coaching badges—and um, it, it it is an interesting one, but I think it's more it's more for. As more for show than anything else. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago at the, the, there was a Jim Malone Cup game in, um, uh, it was a, another preseason game between Gerardi and and, and Doc and Filippo Giovannioli s- sat in the stand along with Giuseppe Rossi and, uh, his assistant and, and Shane Keegan was on the, was on the sideline. Um, but I, I, from, from being there, I think Filippo was definitely the main driving force. I think, uh, I think they they work well together as a team. I think they all get on with each other. But I think it's more to avoid the red tape from, from UEFA, from the FEI. Um, it's it's an interesting kind of collaboration of, of coaches. But um, a lot of people have been critical of it, and, and, and that is fair enough. But for uh, any, any League of Ireland team to be faced with fines and stuff like that, this is probably more to do with the avoidance of any potential uh, misconduct in the league or, or, or anything else and and then it'll be uh it'll really be Filippo and, and and Giuseppe um probably driving the team on where Shane Keegan you know Shane Keegan had been in the office and he'd been away from the training pitch in the first couple of days of preseason and I don't think there's many managers or first team coaches that are away from the pitch in the first couple of days of preseason, especially for you know, a professional club and a professional outfit
2: in, in Dundalk. You touched on the signings that um, Shamrock Rovers were able to bring in, and if we just look at some of the players Dundalk have brought in, obviously more attacking players, Junior, who had a, an okay spell at Sligo Rovers last year, the American midfielder Dogan and Tinder famous Chino Perez, uh, who was at the club a couple of years ago. It doesn't strike me as the type of quality that Shamrock Rovers are bringing in uh, this summer is. That a fair comment, or is that being a bit harsh on those recruits?
3: Um, it's it's fair. Like um, there was actually a good interview with I think it was Paul Fantasy in the forty two yesterday. Um, uh, with Tanner Dogan, who came from Harvard to play. You know, he tried. He, he came last year and um, he came through the American Collegiate System and he had to go and loan. With, um, on loan with that loan last year because of, uh, he couldn't get a, a permit to play for Dundalk last year. And he kind of described maybe some of the, the similarities between the standards in, in the league here and in the American collegiate system. Well, I don't know if that's completely true or completely right, especially because he played in the first division last year. It's, it is hard to know. But the, the sign is Dundalk have made, uh, his is Perez. Um, yes, he, he's came on in a couple of games. He looks like he's, He's dynamic, he's quick, um, he's got a good touch. Um, but I think Junior, Junior Geddy is awkward from, from well, he was at Sligo last year and he'd been at Derry previously. I think he really could be a game-changer for, for the dog this year. He can play through the middle, on the right, on the left. Um, really good dribbler, strong, powerful, quick. Um, an eye for a goal, he can finish. Um, and I think you know if the dog can get the best out of him and they can get the best out of the players that are already there, like uh, Michael Duffy. Patrick Kueben, Patrick McIlheny, then the dog will, will be really hard to stop. Um, there there are other players that they've brought in. I know the keeper Alessio Bibi, um, you know was the penalty hero on Friday night, and he looks like he's going to be another real character in the in the league, which which is great. And he's a an Albanian or Albanian Italian goalkeeper um, that they signed, and you know he's he looked very capable on Friday. I know that's one game, but you know he, he looked like he could be he could fill. Possibly fill the boots of Gary Rogers, but the the other is I guess, Rivas Rukovskis. He came from Latvia and he's the Latvian international, and he'll probably be named in the Latvia squad, which is named, I think, later in the week. And uh, Sunny Natastad, which is uh, he was actually named in the Faroe Islands squad uh, today. He's got over thirty caps, and he's a six foot six left footed centre half. Now he he scored on Friday. He was sent off for a, a tackle that he, he left the ground, and you know. People thought it was harsh. He, he, there was arguments made for either side, really. Um, but he he looks like he could be a really good center half, and he's looks like the dog. are going to play with three at the back, as as what Shamrock Rovers look like to play with th- with three center halves at the back. So I think Sonny Nastad could be could be one to watch this year. You know, he's he was actually signed at Molder by Ole Gunnar share as well, and he looks like he's he, he's got something about him. He looks like he'd be a really good player. And Yerkovskis is going to come in and try and fill the boots of Sean Gannon. He's quick, you know. He he looks like he's got a great engine on him. He, he he's uh you know your archetypal kind of right wing back. You know he probably can play right back, right in field Um, looks like he could be you know a fan favorite, especially kind of run up and down the, the front of the shed. Hopefully in a, in a few months time. Um, and then I've also signed Ali Ali Eric McCogan Mitz- from from the team that they played against last year, KI Klavskik in the in the last round before they qualified when. Um, to get into the Europa League and he scored a great goal against them and he's another tall rangy striker with a, with a good touch but he, he hasn't really played that much in pre-season so they've you know the dog have gone for more of an international kind of uh, approach to their to their signings um, they've also got Sam Stanton from from Phoenix Rising in America who's a former Scottish um, youth international and he he was he was looked at by a couple of clubs in the league and um, you know he's a, he's a left-footed creative midfielder that will probably partner uh chris shields um maybe maybe sean murray as well uh in in the middle of of the pitch for the dog and he looks like he could be a good player as well he's shown glimpses of 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 having some really good quality so i know the americans have came in and and uh and you know the and the you know a lot of players from abroad have come in but um you know they've they've, it looks like they're they're building a, a good squad again which you know, if they can get the best out of these players, you know, the dog signed Nicholas Vemeland a couple of years ago, and he was a he's a brilliant center half, and he he went back to Denmark. And if they can have this, you know, maybe those players can have a, an impact like what he had. Then the dog will be, you know, a really, a really competitive team again this year. You talked
2: about the international players and. It- Keeps reminding me of Christian Allerjan who, who had a short spell at the club, uh, famously, of Liverpool um, yeah. youth at one point. Um, just to touch on Michael Duffy there for a minute, because you mentioned him there previously. Um, I'd happily put him as probably one of the best, if not the best, League of Ireland player I've seen play live. Um, I felt he stagnated slightly a bit, maybe in the past 12 to 18 months, uh, considering how electric he was, especially in the Europa League a couple of years ago. Um, scored a couple of great goals. Uh, do you feel that... Perhaps he's starting to stagnate a bit, or it's just a victim of of circumstances at Dundalk and, and the way they were playing last season.
3: Yeah, well, stagnate—I'm not sure. But he—he he only scored four goals in the league last year. Now, granted, Dundalk made you know when they're going through the European campaign, they they did make a lot of changes, and there was some game like a game against Shamrock Rovers where they totally just—I think they made ten changes, and uh, they kind of you know they just gave up really for one of the better expression in, in in that game, and they lost four 0 at home. And uh, and Duffy didn't play, and, and and he he didn't score in in Europe. Um, he didn't score in Europe either. But his his best games probably came in the cup, where he he was brilliant against Bohemians in the quarter final, and, and then in the semi final against Atleti, he was he was, you know, the the they won fairly convincingly in that game, but. Um, Stagnate, no, but I think they probably need to get the best out of him. Then they probably need to get more out of him. You know, he's, I think he's 26, nearly probably heading towards 27 soon. And, you know, he's, he, he would have been calling the Stephen Kenny's, uh, Ireland squad in, in, in November, I think. Um, if his international transfer, uh, had gone through, it, it, it's gone through now. Um, so he, look, he's going to be determined. He hasn't, he hasn't played yet in, in pre-season. He's coming back from a knock. Um, it couldn't have been another maybe week or two away from from actually playing. But he is, he is going to have to train up his levels. Um, he he's you know since he's came from Derry, he's been, or like since he came back from Celtic, really, he's been he's been excellent. Um, playing on 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 the left and and in this new system that looks like that the Dock are going to play in a three four three with their wing backs high and wide and and the wingers maybe slightly tucked in. Maybe Duffy can get closer to goal and. Maybe he can get in behind a little bit more. You know, last season when the dog changed shapes really with, um, especially in Europe, and they had the three at the back and Duffy ended up playing as, as a centre forward, you know, even along with Patrick Cuban, Um, which I don't think, you know, I don't think he, he really particularly likes coming maybe to feet to get the ball. He likes getting the ball out wide in space, running at players creating chances, um, you know, cutting inside in his right foot and, and unleashing goals like he did against Shamrock Rovers two seasons ago. So I'm not sure about stagnating, but he, he does need to probably kick on. And, you know, he, he I think he would know that himself, that he would want to get more goals, want to get more assists, you know, perhaps take free kicks, more free kicks and penalties and, and become the main man at the dog because he, he's shown that he's got all the ability to do that.
0: David, we've talked a good bit so far about the established Big Two and, and with good reason given how much they've, they've dominated the league over the past couple of years. But if we look a, a little wider than that um, at some of the other potential contenders who might step up a little bit this year. Um, Bowes obviously finished second last year, but as you mentioned, lost Danny Mandrew. Um, some of the team like Pats who finished middle of the pack last year but have made some interesting signings. We'll come back to that in a second. Is there anyone outside of, of, of uh, Dundalk and Rovers that you feel are primed to make a push for a title challenge or is it very much going to be a two horse race with the rest
3: competing uh, for third um, no I, th- I think really both bohemians and and uh, st pat's can can really um make a push for the top 2 um, they're going to need to be more consistent than what they have been they're you know they're going to you know they don't want to drop points against you know uh you know Finn Harps, waterford long for the, the you know they're gonna to need to be consistent in beating those sides because rovers and the dog tend to beat you know the likes of the teams that are on the the lower half of the league fairly fairly normally. Um but Bose definitely can can look to to definitely challenge for the top two or, or and, and as well as St. Pat's and um, Bose have made some you know some another more good signings. Um they have Liam Burton who who is another Scottish underage international I think he was uh he was at Celtic and he he looks like he's gonna be a good player now he scored against the bulk in Oriole in the first preseason game and then he scored I think he scored against Galway last week as well and he he looks like he could be a really good player they've they've also resigned uh or they've signed um Ali coot from Waterford who is a creative creative midfielder and who will probably suit keep alongside to play like they play good football they like to keep the ball on on the ground and uh, you know they they're attractive to watch, and and he looks like he could be you know really suit that system, and and also they've got Stephen Mallon, who who's from Sheffield United who who was at Derry City um the season before last, and who really tore it up for Derry City he was he was brilliant on um on on the wing for them and play, plays plays up both left and right, and is a Northern Irish under, under twenty one international. He actually um he actually declared for Northern Ireland. He he's going to play for them in not the Republic, but he's. He, he looks like he could be a really good signer for them. They've also got Bradley Roth on loan from from Peterborough, who's 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 highly rated. And then they also signed uh, Georgie Kelly from Dundalk, who um, did well at Pats last year, and he, he's done well in UCD as well before that. Um, and he's he he's, you know, he's got all the the qualities to be a top number nine in in the league. He's he's strong. He's good with ball at his feet. He can run in behind. He's he's a good finisher and. You know he's, they're going to need a big season from him, from Bradley Rhodes, or maybe from Thomas Alou as well, who did sign from Shamrock Rovers. He he kind of was a bit part player for Rovers, but um he's played a lot in preseason. And both have really put a lot of work in in preseason. They've played, you know, they've maybe played two friendlies in a day with two different squads um as well. So you know they've they've really kind of knuckled down and they're they're going to go. For, obviously they're going to go and try and do well in the cup and try and do well in the league and maybe do well in Europe as well and 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 as well maybe the. The kind of the best signing, or maybe one of the more glamorous signings, Bastioneri from, they got him from Linfield. He's back in the league now and he was, he was brilliant at Walford, brilliant at Limerick. And um, he plays Madagascar in Madagascar and international footballer, once in the, on the books of uh, Paris Saint Germain. So, you know, he's another really good player to watch, ball playing midfielder. Um they're going to need a big season from, from them. And, and, you know, at the back, they've been fairly, you know, they've kind of kept their, their, uh, their defenders and their goalkeepers, like Talbot and the Lions and Cornwall and whoever else, um, to you know again for a bit more kind of consistency for next season. And um, on St. Pat's, I think St. Pat's can 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 really do well again. They've they've uh, they've also signed some players. They've signed uh, they've kind of signed a lot of under twenty three um, Premier League players, and
0: hmm.
3: um, for this season, um, they they've got. Uh, Vilislav Yaros from Liverpool as a goalkeeper, to have Alfie Lewis from West Ham. Um, and, you know, and another player like... These players have played under-23 football, but from what we've seen, that it's not that easy to make that transition from under-23 football where you're playing on a Monday or, you know, you're, you're playing against players that are struggling to get into Premier League squads and that and, and on a Monday, where maybe the, competitive, the competitors mightn't be there. And they're going to come into a league where everyone's fighting for their lives and fighting for their, you know, for their jobs and for their next contract. So it's going to be interesting to see what Pats can do. They've, they've got some, you know, they've managed to hold on to like Robbie Benson, Jim, uh, Jamie Lennon as well. And, and they've maybe signed, you know, probably one of the best number nines last year in the league and Ronan Coughlin from, from Sligo. So, uh, they again look to try and push on. Um, you know, Stephen O'Donnell's there and he's, He's, he's a highly rated manager. He's still to get his pro license, a bit like Filippo in in Dundalk. But um, you know they've they had too many draws last year. They dropped too many kind of points, and they didn't get enough goals. So they're going to hope that Roland Coughlin can, can get a few goals for them, and they can they can get the best out of uh, Robbie Benson again, and 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 maybe some of the players that they've signed from from across the water.
0: You mentioned Pat's interest in business there from uh, kind of the under 23 players from the, the top two tiers of English football. And of course, Joe Hodge arrived uh, into Derry City from Man City as well. And I think in the same 24 hour period as Pat signed Jarosh from Liverpool. Um, if those sign ins go well this season, do you see that being a route more and more English teams are going to be happy to take, uh, given their younger players' experience at senior football? Like you say, in a league who's. Uh, reputation is maybe starting to change for the better. Uh, do you think it's going to be something we see a little bit more of going forward?
3: Yeah, possibly. Yes, and, and as well, that's we're going to have four teams in in, in Europe this year as well. So, um, uh, it's you know it's definitely a route that the that academies and teams in the UK look like they could be maybe more inclined to take. Um, you know, Joe Hodge is, is an interesting one for for dairy. You know, he's he's been really highly rated at man city he's trained at the first team um a couple of times he's he was named their scholar of the year um you know he was under a lot of interest from from england to get him to play on the ridge football for england um but looks like he's 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 hopefully going to stay with ireland and he's arguably he could arguably be the best be the best young player in the league this year and you know, he's, he's going to try and make that that step up from, you know, he played in the FA Youth Cup last year and Man City won it fairly convincingly in the end. And he played central midfield in that number six position. And he's not going to have the same at a time or he's not going to have the same pitches or the same facilities as he did, you know, in one of the best academies in, in the world. Um, he did a Man City that he is, that he's going to see in the League of Ireland. He's going to have to. Playing a derby against Finn Harps and it's you know it's could have to go to the bally buffet and he, you know that's that's really he'll really be tested but he looks like he's in you know an elite player he he was 16 playing for the Tom Owens under 19 uh, international team in the Euros and he didn't you know he, he was playing two or three years out of his age group and he he looked he fitted in really well and he looks like he could be a a really good player and if it goes well for him then maybe you know the all the top clubs in England obviously they all have now their their loan managers and some of them. Some of them are Irish, and some of them are maybe thinking, you know, what the League of Ireland could be the best place to develop these players. And uh, if Joe, Hodge, you know, Joe Hodge does well, you know, he might make it a Man City, but he could make it maybe, you know, at somewhere else, and he could he could develop. And you know, a lot of the a lot of the academies now in in the UK are not used maybe to produce players to the first team, and they're maybe used to produce players that you can sell on for profit and 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 then reinvest that money. So. Um, it definitely could be a, a thing in the, in the future for for players from, from the UK to come to our, our, the League of Ireland and even north of the border to, to develop their football.
2: Just following up on that uh, point on loans, we, we saw some successful loans in the first division last season and, and we're seeing those players now uh, being picked up by Dundalk in particular that you mentioned earlier. Um, obviously, a league that doesn't get as much coverage for, for various reasons, but um, from being from Galway, obviously I obviously have a, a keen interest on see, seeing how John Caulfield goes this season with Galway United and hoping for the best, even though their pre-season form was a bit patchy. Uh, but overall, it's a league in which the quality has actually surprised me um, since Galway have dropped down there and, and I've watched those games Um do you see anybody in particular, um, any teams in particular to watch out for this season? And overall, what's your impression of, of the quality of at the first division?
1: First
3: division is is you know it's got lots of uh, of quality players in it. The I think the team probably that stands out for me is is Bray Wanderers. They've had, they've got a lot of players that have played in the in the in the Premier Division. They've got like Aaron Barry, who's at Bose, and Ryan Graydon at Bose. to have. Uh, Connor Clifford, who, you know, Chelsea youth, FA Youth Cup winning captain. They've Brandon Kavanagh from, who was at Rovers and really highly rated at Rovers and, and, and uh, Youth International. And, um, you know, they've invested a lot into their squad and, and were, you know, they were close. They were quite close last year. you know, we seen the first division last year. It was so competitive, so kind of, you know, it, there was only a couple of points separating, you know, first to seventh. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really competitive league and, and whatever team, I guess, is the most consistent again will, will do well. But Galway have, uh, are building their own projects. Um, John Caulfield's there. They've signed some good players, like, uh, they've, they've signed, uh, you know, Clark Kearns from, that was at UCD and he was at PATS. And, uh, you know, Galway will be looking to push on. Shelburne have dropped down. and, and, you know, and they've, they've kept, you know, some, some, some of their players as well, like, you know, uh, for example, Shells have managed to keep hold of uh, Georgie Poynton and he he's an established Premier Division player at this stage. So, you know, Shells, Bray Wanderers, uh, Galway, uh, Cabin Sealy are going to become strong again. They've, they've re- run on a really good set-up again, uh, again there. They've managed to re-sign some players as well. Um, and as well, this, with the big one down there is, is Cork City. And, and Cork City are, you know, a, a massive club, not only in the First Division, but in in the country. And, and for them to be down there is is it going to be an interesting one? And, and, you know, they're going to have, you know, Colin Healy's the manager down there. He's going to try and reinvent the team and, and, and bring them, bring them back to, to where they believe that they should be in the Premier Division. So it's, it's, again, it's going to be tight. You know, Athlone Time got to the Cup semi final last year and, and they've invested again into their, heavily into their team, signing some good players. Um, you know, and then you're going to have UCD who always have good, good young players and the scholarships. Um Wexford as well, who've managed to get a couple of players in, in on loan. They got one or two in from Pats um, as well. So it's, it's, it's going to be competitive. Um, and we're going to have obviously a new team as well in Treaty United. And, and, and it's good to see football back in Limerick, another team in Munster that, that we needed. And we needed a team outside of Dublin as well to be in the league. Um I know Shamrock Rovers won't be happy to hear that, but the, you know, Treaty United are there to, hopefully kind of reinvigorate life into, into the football down there and Tommy Barrett another another good coach and he'll be looking to try and you know maybe not get them promoted, but you know to have a good solid season and to, and to have some good results and take some points and, and improve the team for for next year. So it's going to be close. I fancy Bray Wanderers just because they have so much quality and they have so much premier division quality um but then you know it could really be a, a mixture of teams and we have we'll have the playoffs to look forward to as well after that so um you know Cork City probably will go close and Galway United and Shelburne so it's going to be another interesting season in the first division
1: David I suppose one good thing to come out of the pandemic um was to watch League of Ireland initiative um and the increase of, of access to games that people now have I think um it's on board now for the first half of the season at least um at 59 euro, which works out at less than a euro a game. So um, incredible value. And I see they already have uh, have one famous um, subscriber in, in Michael Lee Higgins who was who tuning in on Friday night. Um, I suppose, you know, with the increased um, access for fans, you know, the increase in in prize money for teams this year that was, that was announced, have we kind of turned the corner in terms of, um, you know, putting the league in the bright light. Um, obviously, you know, the FEI had so many issues down the years and the League of Ireland, you know, was described as the problem child. Um have you know these initiatives and and you know the increased access to the league uh, kind of helped turn the corner there to to, you know, promote the league in, 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 in a better light.
3: Yeah, well it's it's fantastic that they've you know that the first division is also included in in, um, in the watch LOI and, and, you know, it's going to be important for, for people to get to see their teams at 59 euro. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great deal and it's going to be great because, you know, the fans are, there's not much sign of fans going back to, uh, hmm. just the grounds anytime soon. So it is, it's, it's, it's good. And it's, you know, it, I wouldn't say we've just turned the corner yet, but I think, um, you know, Mark Scallons came in now as the League of Ireland director and, and I think he's, he's really trying to, to change the view of the League of Ireland, not only just in you know quite the general population, but also in FEI circles too. And I think he's he's going to do a good job. And and Watchelaway can only benefit these things. They're installing technology that was used in, in, in Scotland and the Scotland in the Scottish lower leagues to to I think it's going to be installed in every ground in the country, which is which is again further investment from from the top, which is just can only be a good thing. Um. And it's it's going to be good for you know not only League of Ireland fans in 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 Ireland but League of Ireland fans that are spread across the world that they're going to be able to watch their team and and hopefully watch a good product as well. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see you know the the they weren't exactly happy with the sales or the or the the amount of people that bought it last year. Um. But I think though I think that can change, and hopefully the standard can change. You know, hopefully they they can improve the standard again, and and they can maybe make it a, even a little bit more professional. Um, you know, or, or see you've gotten bored, they're going to show games on a Friday night, and I think air sport hopefully will 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 get some games as well. Um, but it's it's fairly it's fair to say that you know with the removal of like a TV program in Soccer Republic, um. And really, the general lack of appetite by the national broadcaster in, in League of Ireland football, you know, there, there's still a lot of challenges there to to overcome. So, yes, it's it's good that we have, it, we're going to have it until until June anyway. Um, there's still a more more to do and more to go, and and um, it, again, it'll 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 depend on how many people take it up. To, you know, mm-hmm. take the offer up of fifty nine euro um, for the games as well, but you know with the first division premier division i think i think it's going to be good i know the the a good thing as well that they've they're going to spread the games they're going to have games at 5:45 and 7:45 on a friday and games at on maybe two different times that's on a saturday so you know again what we needed is more football on on the tv so
1: exactly no excuses now not to tune into to whatever club you're following david thanks very much for yeah. coming on tonight
3: no problem at all lads pleasure to be on thank you